electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Hey, good morning, good afternoon to everyone. Welcome to another Tech Check Plus live stream. Thrilled to be joined by Ryan Broderick. Hello, author of the Garbage Newsletter. Hi, thanks for having me. Let's jump into this. I mean, you have written, you did not hold back at all in your recent letters regarding Facebook. That is what we are here to talk about now, Meta. Um, and I like sort of how you opened it a few days ago. You talked about Facebook losing its cool factor, um, which, JT, Justin Timberlake told us this 12 years ago. Why didn't we listen to him? That's right. I mean, if you really think about it, like there aren't a lot of young people still on Facebook. They're on TikTok. Some of them are on Instagram, but even that's losing its share of cool young people. And there doesn't really seem to be a clear way for Facebook to get those young people back on the site. Yeah. So a lot of this, though, has to do with advertising. That's what Justin Timberlake said in the social network. He says no. What the Facebook has going for it is that it's cool. You mess it up with advertising. And this sort of, of course, we've seen it messed up hugely by Apple's new privacy changes. But really, it goes back to the business model that Facebook was built on, this idea of tracking and targeting um, that, you know, people didn't really know a lot about more than a decade ago, but has turned into this thing where so many people, given the choice, have opted out. And that's really hurt Facebook's core business. Yeah, there's this old saying that, you know, if the service is free, you're the product, right? And with Facebook, that couldn't be more true. Facebook makes its money by dominating the advertising industry. And the way they dominate the advertising industry is that they know everything about you and are happy to give that information to advertisers. The minute Apple introduced a way for us to put some friction between those two processes, it turns out that a lot of people decided they didn't want to be surveilled by Mark Zuckerberg anymore. And that has obviously caused a massive ripple effect. And I think that's also why Facebook is acting so desperate right now. They're talking about pivoting back to video or the metaverse or any of these kind of harebrained ideas, I think are what you're, we're watching a company become MySpace in front of us. And it's a really interesting thing to watch in 2022. So do you think ultimately Facebook dies here? I mean, is that what you're saying? It's still, it's hard, you know, we have a lot of analysts that come on and say that there's value. Yes, it still does have an, big advertising business, it's going to figure out new ad technology, but you think that it's irrelevant and can't come back? So I think there's three things to think about when we talk about whether or not Facebook is dying. And I should say, I, am not, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not a psychic. I have no idea. Facebook could always turn it around. They're a massive company. But Facebook has a lot of antitrust pressure being put on it in Washington right now, which means it can't acquire new companies. Facebook hasn't really created anything itself since uh, 2006 when it launched the newsfeed. Everything else has been an acquisition. It bought Instagram and it bought WhatsApp. It brings these products into the fold. So if it can't do that, it means it has to function on its own. The problem is that I'm not quite sure they know what their users want. Because if you open up your Facebook feed right now, chances are you're going to see weird DIY hacks, bizarre cooking videos, comedy pranks that aren't very funny, and posts from people you haven't thought about since high school. So that entire ecosystem has to shift for Facebook to reinvent itself. And with a site this large, I just don't know how you do that in a quick enough, 
in a way that people get excited again. I will say the news feed has become very, very weird. Um, I haven't deleted my Facebook, but I occasionally go on just to like kind of see what's going on yeah. and don't last very long. Um, Ryan, this whole idea though of people don't want Mark Zuckerberg to surveil them. That's what you said a few minutes ago. Um, and it took a little bit for users to actually realize that they were being targeted and tracked for advertising. Is and regulators are looking at this, but you know, I wonder, are TikTok and YouTube any better? They're surveilling us in a very different way. And the algorithm, quite frankly, can be really scary there. And this is what many people and young people are spending a lot of their time on. So in a way, like, are we looking back at Facebook? Sure, maybe it's becoming irrelevant. Um, we're talking about competition from TikTok and others, but are the others maybe just as dangerous or more? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, will we look back in five years and say, gosh, I missed the Facebook years. They, those were simple. Yeah. I mean, the truth is TikTok is owned by a Chinese artificial intelligence company called ByteDance. And there's lots of questions about where exactly TikTok is storing our data. They say that the data for TikTok users in country X is stored in country X, but there's also some reporting that's come out that questions that. And we also know that TikTok's algorithm is more aggressive than any sort of recommendation algorithm we've ever seen. If you look at a photo, if you look at a video of a dog on TikTok, you go back to your For You page, the central feed of TikTok, it's going to be all dogs. Quick. So that is a very generous algorithm you laid out there, Ryan. Um, I've certainly, and, and you and I have both read about some ones that are a lot scarier. The Wall Street Journal has done great reporting which you know terrified me but you know the one article about the teenage girls who are watching videos of ticks and all of a sudden their news their for you algorithm is filled with that so you know dogs is one thing but there's a lot more out there that you know is, is actually hard hard for like parents and hard for some people to track that's right tiktok seems to be really really good at generating moral panics and bizarre hysterical controversies and yeah. like really upsetting content can spread there very quickly. And to answer your question about YouTube, YouTube doesn't get a lot of scrutiny, even though YouTube is guilty of a lot of the same things. I think one reason for that is YouTube, for the most part, has been more vocal about working with creators, whereas Facebook, there are creators, there are influencers who only post on Facebook. I've talked to some of these people and they don't hear from Facebook ever, which I think adds to the larger issue with Facebook's relevance, which is like, if your content's not good, people just won't go there. Right, right. Um, so as you mentioned, uh, TikTok is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance. So, you know, not, I know that our lawmakers, regulators have tried to um, limit TikTok here, but perhaps they could do so more successfully with a YouTube that's owned by Alphabet, an American company, not quite as closely scrutinized, but you look at the stock charts and the size of Facebook versus Alphabet over the last week. And what... <laughs> A transfer of value here as Facebook gets smaller, goes under that $600 billion market cap mark, Alphabet's only been getting bigger. When do you think, if and when, do regular regulators start to pay more attention to Alphabet's algorithm and sort of the, the less desirable parts of it? Yeah, I've been asking the same question. I've been wondering why we aren't talking about YouTube. I, I have to think it's because YouTube has been more proactive about its algorithm. It was one of the platforms that was quickest about addressing COVID misinformation. Yeah. Obviously, you can still find that stuff on the platform, but I yeah. think they were 
faster about attaching the Wikipedia widget for genuine, you know, data for people trying to find stuff. And I, I think that's part of their strategy is to try to stay one step ahead of regulators' questions where Facebook has been a lot more clumsy about that. Does that become harder though, do you think, if as Alphabet becomes bigger? I think so. I, 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 the, although, you, you know, I think it is worth asking, does YouTube avoid scrutiny because TikTok has become the shiny new scary platform? Right. So, and, and there's so much of this to consider because lawmakers, they're trying to catch up. They're trying to understand how these platforms work. And it's a hard thing to do because we are still, as journalists, as researchers, as people looking at this stuff all day, trying to figure it out. So for a lawmaker to figure out how algorithmic regulation needs to work with an antitrust law, that's a complicated process. And I think YouTube has been able to avoid a lot of scrutiny because it's so complicated and so fast moving. Let's get into uh, some of the issues. I know that you've done some research, you've really looked into um, misinformation and extremism on the platforms. What did you find? So this week I, I did some analysis uh, around the Freedom Convoy, which is the, the truckers protest in Canada, which is largely been co-opted by right-wing groups and anti-vax communities. And I wanted to understand what people were sharing around that convoy on Facebook. And what I discovered was that according to social analytics platform BuzzSumo, the majority of the content that's being shared around the Freedom Convoy comes from YouTube. There are YouTube videos. I think it makes up around 30% of what is being shared in these uh, groups and pages about the convoy. And that creates a weird gray area because YouTube doesn't really need to deal with it because these videos aren't going incredibly viral on YouTube. They're going viral on Facebook. And Facebook doesn't really want to deal with it because it's not Facebook content. It's YouTube content. So it creates this bizarre moderation gray zone where neither company is really responding to this stuff. And again, we go back to this YouTube piece of it, right? Is we've spent a lot of time over the last week talking about Facebook, Meta, and uh, Spotify, right? Now Spotify is getting all the attention for Joe Rogan, but I did a search. You know, many of his clips are still up on YouTube, but we're not really talking about that. I couldn't really figure out if it was the episodes that were removed or clips from the episodes that were removed on Spotify was the case on YouTube. Um, Ryan, let's close it out. Talk a little bit about um, Meta's Metaverse plans and why you think that they won't be able to reinvent themselves. I mean, the major issue with the Metaverse is that it, to, to do it fully, the virtual reality, as Mark Zuckerberg laid it out a couple months ago, requires goggles. And a lot of people don't want to buy goggles. They don't want to wear goggles. They don't want to use the internet in a VR headset. They don't want that. They want something fast and easy. They want to be able to pull up websites on their phone, click around, and, and be done with it. And that is the major obstacle, I think, for the metaverse. The second obstacle for a company like Facebook is that they're not a video game company. If you want to talk about the metaverse, we should be talking about video games like Minecraft, like Roblox, like Fortnite, where they are made by companies that understand how people want to use these mm -hmm. platforms. Facebook, they're the company that figured out how to help you organize parties in college. They're not the company that's going to help you exist fully in the digital reality. It just doesn't really work like that. I think there was like a meme or a tweet or something, Ryan, that it was like, I have nothing in common with my... 2010 Facebook profile feed. <laughs> I went back to look at mine and I, I like the cringe. I, I couldn't even look. I could barely look about some of the stuff I posted and pictures and everything. Oof. I, I'm sure many people feel that way. I don't know if your younger users remember this, but you used to have to write Ryan is happy today or Ryan is going to the store. <laughs> it was it's mind boggling. Remember how controversial relationship statuses were? 
I, I don't want to think about it. That was a dark time in my life. <laughs> um, same. Ryan, thank you so much for chatting with us today. Uh, love your newsletter. Avid reader. For our audience out there, if you're not subscribed to it, please do so. You don't want to miss it. Hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Okay, bye. Bye. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.